The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. So it was the little one's big 12th birthday this past week. <laughs> One more year until the teenage years. Oh, yeah, we're already into the tweens. Um, and we already had the Keeping Up with the Joneses conversation because she was beside herself to learn days before her birthday that her best friend just got a new iPhone. And hers doesn't even have a SIM card in it. Hers has a battery life of about 38 minutes. Hers was just meant to sort of get her over the hump with all the other kids well, getting like one. An iPhone 3S or something? What, do you, what did you give her? I gave her my old iPhone 5S. Okay. But the battery was dying on it. It didn't have a SIM card in it. She just wanted something to pull out in the, in, in the, the playground like all the other girls were doing. Right. But this this friend of hers got a brand new phone. So we had been planning to get her one for the new school year because she's going a, a greater distance. So we, we, we buckled down and we actually went out and we got it for her earlier. And she all she wanted was the iPhone 6S because that's what her friend had. And when I went in to buy her the iPhone 6S because that's what her friend had, they didn't have any in stock. So I said, okay, well, I'm not getting her a six. You know, I'm I'm recognizing the playground aesthetic of walking in with the model below her friend. So I got her a seven. And of course, now she's telling her friends she's got a new iPhone. And I said, what did they say when you told her you had a seven? And you know what her answer was? No idea. I didn't tell her I got the newer model than she had because I didn't want her to feel bad the way I did when she told me she got a new phone. Oh, parenting win. No kidding. Give yourself a pat on the back. Way to go. So I learned it costs 800 bucks to be the best dad ever. (laughs) Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. It was about much more than just the food. The big show says goodbye to culinary giant Anthony Bourdain through his love of music as Amber Healy, our culinary correspondent, joins us. And with Father's Day coming up, we've got the definitive geek guide for gifts for dad. Plus, the demise of iTunes has been greatly exaggerated, unfortunately. No, no, I need it. Can we at least kill the app? Let's do something about iTunes, please. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So now we're paying 55 additional dollars a month just so she can pull out a phone in the last three weeks of school before she goes on summer vacation. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, sometime in September, there's going to be the uh, iPhone 10 Plus or whatever they're going to call it. So everybody's going to be a further generation behind. But What okay. I did, though, I did crunch the numbers on Apple Care, and I thought we should probably drop the cash to get it for her because it's inevitable she's going to drop this phone and destroy it at some point. But when I ran the numbers, the cost of putting Apple Care on that phone, which is about 150 bucks, plus you pay about 50 additional dollars for an incident, kind of like a, an insurance premium. A deductible, payment. yeah, okay. Yeah, deductible, yeah. Um, I went, wait a minute. Let's call the shop up the street and find out what the fix-it shop charges. The fix-it shop charges $80 for a battery and $120 for a screen. So, And on top of that, you don't pay for it in advance. You only pay for it once you use it. So forget it. See, I, I hate warranties because they, they 
make you think, what if? You know, what if something goes wrong? What if you drop it? What if you accidentally, you know, leave it in the toilet or something like that? Don't parse that last comment of mine. <laughs> um, and, and you feel, oh, God, you know, you know, $299 or $299 or whatever it is, you know, just in case, you know, that's where they get you with insurance. And it, and it drives me nuts. I tried to buy something recently at Best Buy, and I can't remember what it was, but it was, um, oh, I know what it was. It was a cable. It was a USB cable. They wanted to give you a... <laughs> oh, they wanted to give me a warranty on this USB cable. For, Did you get it at Radio Shack? I can't remember where, but it was insane. They'll, they'll sell you a warranty on batteries for I, crying I out loud. I know, I know. So I'm, I'm dead against those extended warranties. And listen, by the time you go through all the hassle of actually cashing in on a warranty, if you should need it, um, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's a money-making scam. According to a survey done in February of 2012 by the company 11Mark, 75% of Americans admitted to using their mobile phones while in the toilet. Yeah, I draw the line there. I have never done that, and I never will. The survey was called IT in the Toilet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine that because I'm sure I've had conversations with people where, didn't I, is it, was that a flush in the background? It's Isn't not that a, revolting. Well, it is. I, I uh, was in a mall not that long ago and I'm walking past the stalls and a guy's having this heated conversation from within the stall. And I'm thinking, do you really want to be doing that, conducting that kind of business while you're doing your business? You can tell, too, by the echo. Oh, I know. And then if you hear that, you know, a, a water rushing, you know, that's somebody at the sink. You hear a toilet flush, a couple of stalls down, or you hear a urinal flush or something like that. The door's opening and closing. It's not, you're not sitting in a food court. Let's put it that way. Let me ask you this. Okay. Are you one of these dog owners who refers to their puppers as fur babies? <laughs> I don't use the term fur babies, but they are as close to children as I will ever have. So you feel comfortable chiming in on the Geeks and Beats Definitive Geek Guide for Geek Dads 2018? 100%. Sometimes it's hard to find some peace and quiet, so the bathroom is where I go. Me and my phone on the throne, checking YouTube, hitting like on some videos. I know this won't win me dad of the year, but come on, give me a chance now. If the roll is done, I grab another one. Set it right, set it overhand. And now I'm singing Family, like, you know I don't want much. I even love handmade crafts made of macaroni. Come on now, you should know me. All I need is tasty craft beer, please. Sometimes I might eat too much. No worry about my weight, got the dad bod rocking on me. Sketches on my feet, cargo shorts look good on me. I'm a dad, that's what I do I get the groceries when I'm asked to The hair on my head's getting thin, that's true But I got lots on my body Me and your mom said clean your room But I'll probably forget about it real, real soon You can find me with a beer by the barbecue I'm a dad, that's what I do I'm a dad, that's what I do I'm a dad, that's what I do. I'm a dad, that's what I do. You can find me with a beer by the barbecue. I'm a dad, that's what I do. Okay, so is it just me? 
because I noticed that with the exception of one recommendation by Shane Alexander, it's the ladies at the GNB newsroom who put this together. And the ladies chose gifts that if the gender roles were reversed, I'd be sleeping on the couch. What, what do you mean? I don't understand. The IMO, which is a um, robotic lawnmower, the Thermo Pro meat thermometer. Yeah. It just all feels so very stereotypical. There's even one there for golf. Um, but I, I think ultimately yeah, it's about the yeah. gift that says, get off your ass and do some work. Why don't you? No, see, now in, in our household, the division of labor has me working outside. I'm the one that takes care of the yard. And I don't like my old Toro lawnmower. And I would really appreciate something that would be a labor-saving device. So if somebody wanted to buy me, <laughs> I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, how much lawn do you have to mow? You don't have to mow anything, do you? I, I live in downtown Toronto. The width of my property is 16 feet. Yeah, but you've got no grass. I, I have no grass because I've got a pine tree on my front lawn, uh, which, of course, grass can't grow underneath. And, and in the back, I completely decked over my backyard. Okay, so... I would not mind. See, guys like power tools. Guys like gadgets. Yeah, and but sixteen hundred bucks for a robotic lawnmower? I don't know if I would buy a robotic lawnmower because I can get a perfectly good, uh, you know, Honda or another Toro for like four ninety nine. Okay, how much space do you have? Because Krista Sampson points out this can cut up to a quarter acre. Oh, I don't have a quarter acre. Oh, okay. Because if you had a full acre, you'd have to drop an additional thousand bucks for a model that could do the full one acre. Yeah. So I've my lot is fifty five feet by 120 feet deep mm -hmm. my first house was a was one third of an acre so it would have trouble covering that entire thing what about the thermo pro tp16 meat thermometer certainly not a 1600 dollars purchase it's about 20 bucks is it what about it is, is it just a regular meat thermometer or is it a, uh, attached to an app or how does it work no dude this doesn't actually connect to your smartphone in any way shape or form well for 20 bucks i don't i wouldn't have expected to don't you isn't that supposed to be the way everything goes now don't you want everything to, to beep your apple watch when you when you got something well I, I, and there, there are there are lots of meat thermometers that that are actually connected uh to to your watch or your, to your phone or something like that i um uh, my wife makes makes a joke because every Christmas comes up. She says, "Would you like one of these remote remote controlled meat thermometers?" I go, "No, I I don't need a meat thermometer. I can actually do everything by touch." Uh, so I don't I don't understand. I mean, guys like to grill by touch. Yeah. Gee. No, no, no. I'm not coming over to your place for dinner. <laughs> Listen, that's how you do, that's how you figure out how a steak is 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 ready. So okay, here's what I want you to do. I want to take right. your, your 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 thumb. Yeah. Put it with your forefinger. Uh, okay. put, touch it with your forefinger, yeah. and then feel the space between your thumb and forefinger on your on your hand. Okay, okay. so you're pressing down there. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a rare steak. Okay. Now use your set your your uh, third finger. Okay. Okay, and you see how it's tightened up a little bit. That's a medium steak, and then your fourth finger. Your ring finger, press it again. That is a well done steak. So that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Absolutely, it does. Why my fingers don't feel any different? It, they do. Do I have these soft, supple hands from not working outside all my life? Probably. And if you weren't allergic to dogs and came over here, I'd make you a steak and I'd show you how it worked. Okay, here's one that I think I'm, I'm kind of keen on. Vanessa Azoli found a cassette business card case. She only rates it three out of five hip ampersand logos, though. 
She says, for a dad who's a little bit business and a little bit rock and roll, it's uh, made out of American walnut wood. It has a magnetic lid, and it's for your business cards, but it's in the shape of a cassette case. It's kind of cool. I hate cassettes. I think they're hateful, outdated, obsolete technology. My nephew is getting into no. cassettes. He found his dad's collection no, in the storage. No, no. This is the same Jamoke, by the way, who told me that they're getting out of Apple iTunes downloads. Uh, but his one of his sons has found his cassette collection, which stuns me anyone still keeps their cassettes. I've got some under the stairs someplace. And now he wants... A, a Walkman. Do do they even make Walkmans anymore? Do they um, you know what? Let's look that up. I think Sony. Well, it's certainly not Sony. All right, you can buy a Sony Walkman at Amazon. Oh no! No, you can't. No, no, you can't. Um, you can buy a Zune. Yeah, great. I've got a Zune if anybody wants it. Sony stopped making the cassette Walkmans five or seven years ago, but they're they kind of left that open for certain. Uh, markets around the world. For example, India, uh, cassettes are still used quite a bit. Indonesia, they're used quite a bit. And then across Africa, because they, they tend to work well in dusty, dry environments. So have you found one yet? Okay, so here's one. A Sony Sports cassette radio AM, FM Walkman with the original headphones. I have one of these things in the basement someplace. Uh, on eBay, $10.95. <laughs> And you know what? For uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll bring that down. If your if your nephew wants it, eleven bucks. Just 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 for him. Just for him. Double the price. Double the price. Yeah, I don't know if it, I honestly make his know. dad pay for it after making me repeat the fake news. Okay, does let's just enter this. Does Sony still make Walkmans? <laughs> Sony still continues to make cassette-based Walkman devices in China for the other overseas markets. However, they were discontinued in Japan only in 2010. So the answer seems to be, yes, they still make them. But you have to go to Beijing to get one. From the sounds of it, yes. You and I have talked about this in the past, that one of the things we were promised as children was food in pill form. You know, to go with our jetpack, to go with our flying cars, to go with our robot butlers. And it's the only one that I actually wish had come true. Yeah, you're the one who doesn't want to eat. I enjoy food. I took a while through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder. When we had learned of the death by suicide of Anthony Bourdain, I thought, I don't really have anything to contribute to this because I never really watched the show. Yeah, if you weren't a fan of the whole chef culture, the whole restaurant culture thing, this would have passed you by entirely. And that's that's a shame because the show began about food, but then it became about something so much more. When the news of his passing had hit the GNB newsroom, I, I think it hit of all of us the hardest 
GNB writer Amber Healy. So I thought it was important that, considering the remarkable work she had done compiling uh, essentially the obituary of this man's arc of his life, that it would be valuable to get her insight into the, the emotional component to all of this. She joins us now from our bureau in Buffalo. Amber, good to have you with us. Thank you for the invitation, guys. This is this is our restaurant bureau. This is our, our culinary editor. <laughs> you wrote that in a recent episode of his show on CNN, Bourdain sat down, had a beer with Mark Lanigan uh, of the Screaming Trees from the 90s uh, and a collaborator with Nirvana, Lane Staley, Mike McCready, in Mad Season, Josh Holm of Queens of the Stone Age. And while food was on the menu of discussion, music was too. And the way that the world had changed over the course of the last 20 years, and it made me realize that this was a show that I wasn't watching because I thought it was just about food. Yeah, no, the food was always there and it was always important and it was always visual. Um, it's the kind where you get jealous at your TV that you can't actually taste or smell whatever he was enjoying. But it was never just about the food. It was always about the people um, in the town, in the country, wherever he was. It was more about them and how they lived than just what they were eating. Um, and it was... It's incredible. I mean, he was he was such a storyteller, and he was so vivid about everything. Um, he talked to people about not just what they ate, but why, where it came from, what they liked otherwise. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people write about him as like a cultural ambassador, and that's very true. Not just for New York, which of course was a central part of his life, but everywhere he went, he wanted to know who these people were not just what they were eating. His big thing was, whenever possible, drink heavily with the locals. That sounds generally like a good rule. It, it, it does, because um, I have actually followed in his footsteps in Southeast Asia in a couple of areas. And I've gone to places where he has, where he went uh, for his TV show. There's a couple of um, hawker um there were a couple of uh, food courts or, or, or hawker centers in, in Singapore where he went, like Maxwell's and a few others. And I, I would sit and eat the same thing that he ate. And uh, this idea of eating with locals, this idea of trying to figure out how the people of the place he was visiting actually ate on a daily basis was, was fascinating to me because when I travel, I like to ingratiate myself as much as possible into the surroundings. And, and he gave me some great tips. And I loved watching him experience those foods in the way local people would. And that just made it so much more real to me. It was so much about about love. I mean, he had so much fun on these trips. You, you could see it. He was really enjoying meeting the different people and, and again, experiencing their culture with them and letting them do the talking and the showing around. He didn't go anywhere. Let me correct that. If he went someplace with a preconceived notion of what he was going to find there, food, drink, music, culture, whatever, he always admitted when he was wrong. And I think he delighted in being wrong about things and places. The uh, folks over at NPR had an interesting piece about how um, a lot of his music was informed by roaming the rock venues late at night after shifts on the line at New York City restaurants. And I thought, ah, 
this is a connection that I have to this man because I'm finding as I age out of the core demographic for the music of the of the day that I'm getting a lot of my leads on musical tracks by being in restaurants going I wonder what that is and asking my phone what I'm listening to and then being able to buy it right then and there you're buying music you're not, you're not streaming it? You know what? Well, let, let's put a pin in that because that was an interesting point about the WWDC in uh, San Francisco that Apple recently had was the news that they are getting out of selling music and focusing exclusively on streaming. Okay, wait a second. I missed that. We'll have to come back to it. Yeah, yeah a huge music fan. He had D.D. Ramon on the show a couple of times. He always found musicians. He had a, a working friendship with uh, Josh Homme, as you mentioned. D.D. died in 1998. It was one of the later like replacement Ramones that came in after the fact. Yeah, it was Marky Ramone. He set up a food truck in New York City. I think it was Marky, yeah. I stand corrected. Um, but yeah, he, he loved music. Next to making a proper omelet or like wiping your own ass, knowing how to roll a joint is an essential life skill for any self-respecting member of society, in my view. Pay attention, people. He was always talking about bands, bringing bands on, going to see, you know, this band, that band, having them in the show. Josh Homme did the, uh, the theme show for his, the theme song for his show on CNN, which is incredible. Can't stay next to me We just keep driving Because of you I see a light a century a 73 like you some strange religion but there's an episode a year or two ago with Iggy Pop which was one of my favorites of his what do you like here I wouldn't have thought back then in my dorm room that all those years later I'd be eating healthy with Iggy Pop barbecue shrimp for the godfather of punk I get wild and crazy with some roast pork a little white wine are only tilt towards the debauches of previous lives. I well remember the first Stooges album coming out, the context of the time. This, this was, what, 69? 69, 69, August. In a lot of ways, as far as looking after my health, your music early on was a negative example. I hear you. And, and looking at my own life and career, I'm pretty much known for traveling around the world and recklessly drinking and eating to excess. Yeah, sure. What does it say about us that we are now sitting in a healthy restaurant I just came from the gym, and we're in Florida. Listen, if you just flamed out, you're in, you know, you're in such voluminous and undistinguished company, and then all your works will flame out quicker with you. He was a punker. There's no doubt about it. He was a punker at heart. Speaking of Iggy Pop, didn't Bourdain fight heroin addiction back in the 1980s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he writes about that a lot in the book that sort of made him notorious, uh, uh, Kitchen Confidential, which if you haven't read it, or the uh, New Yorker essay that sort of kicked it off, it's well worth it. It might turn your stomach a bit, but it really sheds a lot of light on what it was, uh, what his experience was when he first started out in the restaurant industry. Um, he was never the best cook, but he lived it up while he was working and working his way up. And yeah, he thought he was open about that particular demon uh, and the struggles he had with heroin and alcohol. And I mean, you name the drug and he did it, basically. Um, 
and I don't, I will never know really why he decided to go out this way. Um, I've got my suspicions. I don't think it was drug related. I really don't. Um, but he certainly championed awareness of that and getting help if he needed it, among other causes that he had. Yeah, I think this is, again, complete conjecture. But uh, when you are uh, very depressed, you can spiral into the deepest darkness uh, very, very quickly where you just decide that, you know what, this is it. And before you know it, you're dead. And he's pro he's been very upfront about, or he had been very upfront about how he had been suicidal, how he had been terribly depressed. And most people who undergo this kind of emotional difficulty uh, don't do it. This isn't the first time that he's contemplated it. It may not even been the first time that he tried it. It's just that whatever, for whatever reason, on that day in that little hotel in France, he spiraled into the darkness and could not get himself out. And at that moment, it felt like the only thing he needed to do. Again, complete conjecture. But having a little bit of experience with some people who have gone through these things, thats I, I just can't help thinking that. Because he had a lot going for him. He had a successful TV show. He had lots of money. Everything was fine. Uh, but something happened to trip that darkness. And when it came, it came hard. And we're seeing more and more that you know people shrug their shoulders. How could he possibly have been such in such a bad place that he would do this. You could ask that of him. You could ask that of Kate Spade. You could ask that of any of the unfortunate string of high-profile suicides we've had lately. And you never know. You never know what's in somebody else's head. And I, I just, I hope that whatever happens to us when we are no longer on this earth, you know, I hope if, if the soul is a thing and the spirit departs the body after death, I hope his is, you know, as much at peace as he could be, you know? And I hope, I hope his daughter knows the good parts of her dad and not just this awfulness that he carried around with him. You also wrote that um, he confronted his comfort uh, and he toured the Rust Belt, including your now hometown, which was your hometown, you left, you came back. He was there too. You know what, happened? What, what do I think of Buffalo so far? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think of Buffalo? Yeah, it's a tropical wonderland. Yeah. Everyone should come here. It's like a snow globe here. Yeah. You're a non. The beer's good. You're a non-smoker now. Yeah, the, the beer's good. People are nice. That beef on a wet thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim That that that's totally awesome. <laughs> If you pass what what is not to like? If you could pass yeah. the You're logged on to WNY Media. I, I'm logged on to what the fuck am I logged totally on? Awesome. <laughs> and did I sign a release for this shit? He came into Buffalo like, why the hell am I going to Buffalo? It snows there all the time, and you know their music is cheesy and what? It's chicken wing. Like who cares? But he came out of it at least the way that the show comes across. He came out of it with a real appreciation for you know, the working class people here and the passion that people have for this town. It was great. Uh, I watched that when I was living in Arlington and uh, it was so cool to see this guy that I really respected and admired just loving on my town a little bit. Amber, thank you so much. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Amber Healy is our culinary Stay correspondent. Stay up to date she on the latest in music, in tech, and pop culture by going to geeksandbeats.com anytime. And for super happy, fun joy, follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
Hey, dude, I, I got a confession to make. I think I was contributing to the distribution of fake news. Okay, what did you do? Well, we had the big 12th family birthday party for the little one, and my brother-in-law tells me that Apple is killing iTunes music downloads in 2019. So okay, now this is something that's been going through the internet for quite some time. I have debunked it several times, but I've because Apple has never come out and said that they are in fact getting out of the selling music business, which would mean closing down that part of iTunes, which would mean closing down a giant part of the entire music ecosystem. I don't see it happening just yet. Apple Insider is uh, throwing shade in the direction of Babel Music, which made a sensationalist claim, they write, that an Apple executive has officially announced all iTunes MP3 music downloads will be terminated by early 2019, about a year from today. Uh, and um, uh, they also say... That didn't stop the false story, uh, which was distributed via Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise there. Um, and other news outlets jumped on board it uh, as well. But according to Apple Insider, which I've got a tremendous amount of respect for, they're saying it's fake news. Apple would prefer to sell you digital downloads over streaming. Well, they would. Uh, this is actually a story that began, as far as I can tell, with a site called Digital Music News. And uh, this goes back at least uh, at least a year when the site said that Apple was going to get out of the music download business entirely within two years. So that was in 2017 sometime. And Apple has denied that publicly a couple of times. And it doesn't make sense for them to get out of the music business, uh, at least selling music anyway, because uh, iTunes is still the number one store online anywhere in the world. I think they've got like a 70 or 75% market share of people who buy music online. And that's buying downloads of, of single tracks and, and, and albums. It doesn't make sense to me just yet for them to get out of that business. I don't think this is the equivalent of Apple getting rid of the USB port on some of, the, on, on some of their computers. I don't think it's the equivalent of dropping the uh, CD-ROM tray on some of their computers. I think this is just just garbage. Wow, you're dating yourself going back as far as dropping the CD-ROM tray. Well, I know, because that was a big deal. Do you remember when Apple decided that they weren't going to have CD, uh, CD drives in their computers? Everybody was going, oh, wow, well, how, how are we going to install software? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And Apple correctly predicted that everything was going to be done online and everything was going to be streamed. Still pretty pissed off about the lightning connector instead of the headphone jack, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, I'm not happy about that either because I've got all these headphones that are really, really good and I have to use the stupid dongle if I want to use them. I don't like that. The, the iPhone that I got, the little one, the iPhone 7, did not come with a dongle. It didn't? It did not come with a dongle. It was now, brand... Either, brand new. I watched the guy take it out of the box. Now, either um, he took it out and, and set it aside and never put it back in. No, it should be right at the bottom of the box. I know. I know exactly. But I've got a bunch of spares, so she's still in business. But, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have a new co-producer. Oh, whose name I can't pronounce. Oh, fantastic. You know, what is it about people with names that you can't pronounce that become our co-producers? Jason, thank you so much for opening your wallet wide. $25 gets you the title of co-producer this week's episode. We'll put your uh, name on the cover. Uh, I can spell it. I can't pronounce it. Here, let me spell it for you. You tell me how to pronounce okay, it. Okay, go. B-J- 
E R K E. Bjork. That's kind of what I'm thinking, kind of like Bjork, but an Urk. Yeah. We have a final clarification as to how to pronounce your name, please. Bjork. Bjork. Okay. Bjork. Bjork. Okay. Let's go with that. I think that's a cool name, Bjork. We have a half co producer because uh, Sean Sosnowski set up a recurring $12 monthly donation instead of a Patreon donation where every time we publish something, we ding your credit card. Uh, so if we do 18 episodes, we ding you 18 times. Instead, Sean's deal is that it's 12 bucks. If we put out three episodes or 300 episodes, it's 12 bucks a month, and it's a recurring donation, something that PayPal recently started. And thank you very much, Sean, for phonetically spelling out your name so we could get it right. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy that's, you're the bad guy when it comes to the pronunciations. He discovered the podcast because he's a fan of your ongoing history of new music. He followed that version and checked out Geeks and Beats. He says he listened pro- probably to too many podcasts, but Geeks and Beats is his absolute favorite. Oh. So he wants to say thank you very much for putting out such great podcasts. It's honestly one of the highlights of his week. I have to say that I was at the Burlington Sound of Music Festival yesterday. This would have been Saturday, June the 9th. And I was the MC for the day of this big, big outdoor festival. And uh, I went out into the crowd a couple of times, and I ran into some GNB fans, which See? is really cool. Yes. That's why I think that the rating system that we've got behind the scenes here is inaccurate, because there's no way we're running into all these people and our ratings are what they are. No, I, I think anecdotally, anecdotally, we have a, a much greater listener base than, than, than anything is telling us. Um, and if even if we don't, the people that are listening to this thing are deeply engaged, very, very deeply engaged, which, you know, should uh, attract the attention of some advertisers, you would think, but it really hasn't done that yet, has it? Well, it would be helpful if we were actually doing some legwork on that front, too. Oh, yeah, there's that. Basically, we're just waiting for the phone to ring. Right, right, I forgot. We're, we're lazy. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.